Mango Mustache Media L-A-S You're listening to One Word Stories. Brought to you by... Hey, I'm Jake Trumper. And I'm Alex Schulte. And together, we're historically, historically inaccurate. And you can learn history with us because I'm kind of an expert. I'm not sure if expert's the word I would use. No, I, I'm ready to teach people history because, like, uh, ask me to name every president. But I know you can't. No, just ask me. I don't want to hear Washington, you do that again. John Adams, Thomas I, Jefferson, uh, James Madison, James Zabro, John Quincy Adams, Andrew Jackson. So Martin we're a brand new podcast distributed by the LAS Podcast Network in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. New episodes every Monday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you can find your podcast. Jake, are you still going? Jake, just fast, just fast forward to the end. We are literally running out of time. Did you literally forget the president who is right now, Joe Biden? Joe Biden! Ah, I did it. Ah, I was in, I was in my groove. Come and learn with us, everybody. Well, it's still kind of me. I'm, I'm kind of doing. You couldn't even remember Joe Biden's name. I'm doing most of the teaching. It's mostly you. Thank you. (laughs) Welcome, welcome, one and all, to the best podcast in the land. It's One Word Stories. I'm your host, Alex Schulte, and this is the show where we take one word and let it inspire the stories we tell. Of course, this uh, show is produced and distributed by the LAS Podcast Network right here on the fourth floor of Theater Cedar Rapids in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. If you want to support us and other local creators, please consider subscribing to LAS+. Plus. There, you will get ad-free content, bonus content, exclusive episodes, merch, that itch that you can't get to stop itching will stop. All the things that you need to make you happier are waiting for you at laspodcastnetwork.com slash plus. Um, But today, man, what a guest I have on the show I'm going to bring her in in just a second before I must tell you who she is so you can be as hyped as I am um, for this about to happen. And I say this like like they don't know who is about to be speaking, even though your name <laughs> is literally on the episode that they clicked on. So, but I'm still going to, I'm still I'm playing. I'm you're trying not to laugh. I'm playing the game. I'm playing the game. Okay. We're pretending. Okay. It's all smoke and mirrors. Great. Here. It's, we're, we're in a theater. Yeah. Right? So, okay. She is from Lisbon. She's recently moved home from New Orleans, has spent time in New York City getting her Master's of Arts. Did I say that right? Sure. Her, she went to went to Drake to no. get- No. wait. Luther. Luther. Oh, I know. I wrote it down too. I was like, I'm going to go off the book here and I'm just going to go with, with my head. She was from, went to Luther. You have a whole episode to correct him. So. <laughs> but mo- mo- maybe mostly known for your your role as Sandy in Greece at TCR at t- in two thousand five. Probably. It's the executive director of Theater Cedar Rapids. My guest today is Katie Hallman. What's up, Katie? 
Hey. How are you? I'm well. Thanks for having me today. I'm Dude, so excited. I, I told you this before we started recording, but I'll tell you it again. It is a huge deal to have you on my podcast right now. Oh, I'm just thrilled. You know, yeah. um, uh, I've only spoken to you a couple times. Yeah. Ever. I know. It's it, so silly. Which is silly. But it this is. is great. We get to spend this time together. It, well, and s- then we'll know each other. Exactly. Well, it's it's kind of crazy because you and I spend a lot of time in the same building. I know. Uh, <laughs> but the building is quite large. It's such a big building. It's, and it's a labyrinth. It is a labyrinth. It's easy to get lost. And one yeah. time you um, were getting lost in my corner yeah. of, of the building a few weeks ago. And I was like, you should just be on my podcast. Yeah. My girlfriend's telling me I need to stop asking everyone to be on my podcast. No. But That's how you get it done. I mean, I got an episode coming out every week. That's what you got to do. I mean, <laughs> literally everyone you run into. We went to basics this past weekend. Oh, hmm. And she goes, and she literally told me before we went, and she's like, don't ask all the drag queens to be on your show. Pick one. I got a drag queen coming in. Good. You know, sorry, Hannah. Who? Uh, Jasmine Love. Oh, yeah. She's incredible. Wonderful. Um, so that's a big deal, too. It is a big deal. I won't say if it's a bigger deal than you. I am not the judge of that. It's all exciting. I think it's great. Yeah. It's all good. So so on the show, we always take one word, and then we you know we let it inspire stories that, that made us, that we want to tell today. And I am super curious about your story, your journey, um, how you wind up being the executive director at the biggest community theater in the Midwest. Yeah. You know, it, that's a huge deal. One of 40 candidates for the job. That's not an easy gig to get. Yeah. So um, I th- we were talking about the word that we should let inspire these stories today, and I'm hinting at it again like it's not <laughs> literally the title of the episode. <laughs> What's it going to be? Today's word. Well, well, hold on. Let me, let me get Al, Al Betker to help me introduce today's word. Today's episode is brought to you by the word ambition. Yeah, so, so so you're I love the audio. I'm so into this. It's so great. It's a vibe, man. It's so good. It's, it's a vibe. so good. Yeah, it is. You're an ambitious gal. Yeah. I am. So why? <laughs> so why are you Why why are do you ambition? So why do you ambition? Yeah, it was fun kind of thinking about this word a little bit and um I I think that Originally being ambitious was driven by perfectionism Mm -hmm. and it's evolved. I'm 35. I'm still young, still Mm -hmm. early career. I would be considered early career by my age. Yeah. I think, I hope kind of, I've been able to push through that perfectionist origin to land in a more vulnerable place with it now, which is really ambition for me now means something different, I think, than it meant for me when I was a child yeah. and I was a perfectionist. You what, know? what did it mean to you when you were a kid? I think when I was a kid, I think so. Um, I, I was, I'm not, I wasn't born here. I'm not an Iowa native. I was born um, in New Jersey. And I most did not of my know family, that. yeah. I thought you were an Iowa native. Here we go. We're getting to know. But yeah, I was born in New Jersey, um, outside of New York City. My dad was working in New York. And most of my family, the largest part of my family is on the East Coast. And we moved here because my mom's an Iowa native and moved here when I was about school age. Ah, got it. Um, and there was a job. And my dad, anyway, on and on. We ended up in Iowa, ended up in Cedar Rapids. 
Um, and eventually I made my way to Lisbon when my mom got married um, to a man who was living in Lisbon. I think, so I think to like early elementary school age and kind of just early tendencies toward perfectionism was really driven by wanting to people please and to not make waves. So the more I could achieve. So contradicting. Yeah, well, just like the more I could achieve, the better my grades were, the better performer I was, the better boxes. I kind of just was sure. able to keep everyone happy. You know, it's a lot of weight to put on your shoulders. Oh, well, yeah. Oh I mean, it takes, you know, but I think I, and, and I don't think that's uncommon. Um, sure. Absolutely. Not. But yeah. But oh, sure. A very, lot of very relatable. A lot of weight for little shoulders. A lot of weight for little shoulders. And yeah. I'm keenly aware of it now, hopefully so I can identify it in my own kids. So how do you how do you look at ambition now that you're um, an adult in your early career? Yeah, today, I mean the amb- ambition has morphed because as I kind of today it lives in service today I find such fulfillment in serving a purpose that is greater than myself mm. seeing community and and seeing in that and that's come with like kind of starting to let go of control and knowing that like I can't do anything so perfect that I'm going to ever be all the way in control of it. It's better if I can just let go a little bit. When do you think that switch happened? After you got here and have become executive director? Or do you think that change kind of happened for you in college? That I think that changed. On your 30th birthday, yeah. the day of? The you know? 30th birthday. Um, I think, so as I went through my career, so... Uh, when I went to Luther, <laughs> not Drake, when I went to Luther. Um, oh, it's in, so funny that I like said it. I was like, I'm going to get this so right. I'm I love nail it. this opening. No, I think, you know, and also I think a lot of singers, I'm a singer and a lot of singers are perfectionists and I was trained classically and that's a perfectionist. Sure. I mean, like the perfectionism oh is God. just like, it lives there, right? Right. But by the time I was in grad school, I went to grad school at NYU and I studied music business and I was working in live music. I was working in rock music, primarily like indie rock. Mm. And it was just, like, so cool it's impossible. It was, like, so cool. Man, what a trip that it had to have been, going to NYU, living in New York City, being in the music scene. Yeah. I mean, that's a different episode, I feel. It was a totally different – I think about it now, and I'm like, really? I mean, like, I can't even – I'm not a late-night person, but I was. You know, I mean, I don't know. (laughs) Everybody was at one point. I I am. I'm definitely, but – Oh, my gosh. Um, But the shift to service, I think I felt in – in my body while I was working in New York and I felt I was doing very well and I graduated with my master's and I moved on to working for this company, Manhattan Concert Productions. And I quickly served as their director of concert operations. And I think I did that for six years. And that's a company that produces over like 25 events at Carnegie Hall and Lincoln Center uh, in the Kennedy Center a year. It's a very busy job, very big job. Um, and I just didn't feel connected to the city. Uh, and I felt unfulfilled because of that. And so I knew. Oh, that's and, so interesting. So I think the shift started happening where it's like, here I am. I'm like checking these boxes. I'm working at these halls. I'm right. starting to Dream work jobs. With, I'm you're, starting you're at to Carnegie. Work, I'm at Carnegie. I'm starting to. We, we started this Broadway and concert series. I'm working with all these Tony Award winners. I'm working with the people who wrote Titanic. I'm working with the people I'm singing right. in the original Hunchback of Notre Dame like that TCR just did. Oh, I was seriously? I did the t- I was in the test chorus for M- Disney. Mick Evans was fantastic in that. He was so good. I was having these amazing opportunities, but I was kind of I think I reflected to my husband Kevin one night. I was coming home on the subway and I was like, "We just did parade or something at Lincoln Center." 
and 2,800 people were there and I'm on the subway and no one knows. And it doesn't matter. Right. It didn't, and it did matter. And it mattered to all the people. I don't mean to negate that it mattered, but I sat on the subway and it didn't matter to anyone around me. But yeah, it's like, what, um, what, what are you looking for when when you go and do that? Are you looking for that, um, participation medal from, from the other people, from strangers? Yeah. Are you just looking to impress your parents? You know, is it that people pleasing? Yeah. At that point, are you doing it for yourself? Right. These are all huge questions. Yeah. What's the driver and what's the impact and how do you see it? And like, so I feel like that was a palpable shift in my goals. Yeah. In my ambition, in my, does my, my driver. You think that, like, you can think back to that train ride specifically yeah. and yeah. having those thoughts. Yeah. That's really crazy. Yeah. That's wild. And now you're in Cedar Rapids mm-hmm. and very obviously making a change. Yeah. A progressive change in our community. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. I, I told you this when I saw you a, a, a little bit ago. Like, Theater Cedar Rapids is just, it's always been amazing. Yeah. It's always been fantastic. All the way back to the days of Richard Barker. Yeah. But it is, it's just, to, to come in, to get hired as the executive director, and then pretty much the first thing put on your plate is a pandemic. I know. Is is wild, and you guys are still trending in the right direction. You're still yeah. the, the the environment is friendly, welcoming, not only to um, patrons and and audience members, but to the actors and to the people that want to spend their time after work or whatever doing this. Yeah. You know, it's it's a huge time commitment to do a show at Theater Cedar Rapids, and it's something that people want to commit to. People want to to be a part of that. Not they always have been. That's always been the case, yeah. but. I don't know. I, I've I've noticed, I've noticed the change, and I love it. It's yeah. it's so positive, and you've brought such a, a bright light to this space. Yeah. So I mean, for honestly, thank you, thank you, for, appreciate that. Absolutely. I mean, goes without saying, but uh, the LAS Podcast Network. We there was a different energy that started once we got into this space. Yeah. You know, there's there's something that's really special about TCR. That goes beyond the people that are just in it too. There's just an energy that lives in this place, and I'm not really yeah. even a very spiritual person, but but there is something that that we just perform better here. Shows are better here. Uh, podcasts come out better here. Yeah, it's it's weird. Well, it's like I think there's and it, to me it's like it's that greater purpose thing, and it's this idea. And Angie Toomson, our our artistic director, and I talk about this a lot. How Theater is the main thing that we do, but if you, like, go up 20,000 feet, there's really a lot of culture creation, curation that's going on. Sure. You know, it's not, it the like, theater is a main thing, but so is education. So is something like this podcast network. So it's sort of like these different pieces and parts that make this physical plant happen. So there's just so many, there's, and, yeah, there's so much. So what are we doing and how do you be mindful and thoughtful? And that's, that's exactly what I'm seeing. It, yeah. The fact that you even, you and Angie both were like, yes, make, do your podcast network in our space. Yeah. Um, we are in the middle of a pandemic <laughs> and we don't have much theater happening here for the next few months. We would love if there was some creativity going on in our space. Yeah. And we're like, oh, hell yes. We will fill that void of, of people that, that just can't be in the building right now for whatever reason. Yeah. And it's been, like, what an honor, you know? What a delight it's been for us to create this here. And and it legitimizes us so much Good. to say, hey, we are 
we are a podcast network that's based out of Theater Cedar Rapids. Just putting that name next to anything brings legitimacy to because everybody in the in the corridor knows about Theater Cedar Rapids, knows what name that holds, what power that name holds. I hope so. I think they do, and I think that's also kind of our charge going forward and thinking about the legacy of this place is. Um, I was just talking to our technical director, Ben, outside. That's why I was eating a quick sandwich oh, and sitting and nice. talking to Ben. And, yeah, he's great. And it was like, how how are we using every inch of this space to be publicly facing and making sure that it is like fully usable and accessible to our community? Yeah, put the community in community theater. Yeah, and what does that look like? And what does that service look like? And what how, and what does what's the, what's usability mean? And I think going back to kind of ambition and how. I think where I am with it now, it does have a lot more vulnerability because I'm not, I think, so it's funny because I'm, because I'm 35, I would be considered early career, but I've, this is my third kind of major leadership position because I ran another theater before I came here and in, in New Orleans. Uh, in New Orleans, yeah. In New Orleans in a similar role um, with Le Petit Theater. So I've, I've, I've had the opportunity to see a lot and I in each role you ask like how when did this kind of like shift definitely where I am today is a much less perfectionist place a much more vulnerable place a, mm. a place where I feel like ambition and um honesty and questions can live in harmony whereas probably early it was like ambition meant you had the answers and now I think it, ambition means you have the questions whoa and like you don't You're know the, the Dalai Lama. <laughs> that's so beautifully said, though. Seriously, like that's a mantra that I think anybody should say in the morning when you wake up. Yeah. Ambition is not about having the answers. No. It's about asking the questions. Yeah. It's about wanting to ask the questions. Just what do you want to know? And how can you invite people into that process? And when I think about TCR, and we've been talking about this a lot, specifically around inclusion. And as we all as a culture think about what does increased diversity and increased equity and increased inclusion look like in our businesses and our lives and our like how are we reckoning with this need mm -hmm. and the, this like objective need mm -hmm. this humanity this need <laughs> of humanity um right. i think it has to live in questions it has to live in rough draft it has to live in the vulnerability to say i don't know the answers and i'm not going to sit here and pretend like i do i want to ask questions i just want to ask questions and not just for theater that's for anything for anything you know um um the country could really use some of that right now could, <laughs> could use some questions could use some uh, questioning <laughs> um so i knew it was inevitable that we were going to be talking about theater cedar rapids oh, today yeah. but it's honestly not the reason i wanted to talk to you okay it's because i want to just know about you but yeah. before i do that okay. i have one more theater cedar yeah. rapids question yeah having worked in both new orleans running a theater there mm -hmm. and now running a theater in cedar rapids this is kind of a loaded question, okay. but it, feel free not to answer. <laughs> but um, what kind of similarities do you see between two cities who have been so heavily affected by floods? Oh, my gosh. So, yes, absolutely. And no, it's a great question. And also, I want to take it to New York because as well, because I um, I did this math once. This is unfortunate. This is unfortunate math. I love I it. I think I moved. It's my favorite kind of math. I moved to New York, New Orleans, and back to Cedar Rapids, each place eight years after a major catastrophic event. Weird. I'm not saying I have anything to do with it. But. That's extreme. That was like a lot when I looked at that map. I was like, <laughs> yeah. oh, don't go anywhere. It was meant to be. Um, 
So right. what what place had a flood in the last eight years that you're moving to next? Uh, no, I'm not. I'm not moving. <laughs> New York just moving. had that flood. Maybe you're moving back. Not moving back. There was apparently a rumor oh. recently <laughs> that Kevin and I were moving. It was a mix up, and it Came was in that you're moving. Thing. That yeah. was the rumor. That the rumor was that we were moving. Yeah. It, we didn't. Even, no one even <laughs> called us about it. It just like was in the scuttlebutt. But Don't you love that? I just that's what I, comes with the position you're in. People are going to start start talking about you. Well, and I just don't know. It, yeah, it's very silly. But um, when it, Kevin and I talk about this question, so it's a great question, and he's articulated this, so I'm stealing this from him. And w- when I do my coffees with Katie, I'm like, how many times am I going to bring up Kevin? It's going to be a drinking. Game. By the way, Coffee <laughs> with Katie is an amazing podcast. Thank you. Um, that that Katie hosts. Yeah. That you've been interviewing. Um, all anybody. Broadway people, Broadway TV stars. people, local people. It's been awesome. The guests you've been able to get on that show are so impressive it's been cool well that's from a lot of it's from my work in new york and new orleans so but new but york then you haven't done it for a little bit because you had a baby i know i had a baby and now we're like back thank you so much that's number two for you right number two that's awesome number two baby boy okay two baby boys sorry answer my darn question okay so i'm going Floods, back Floods, cities this is cave articulated this i just agree with it whole i agree with it wholeheartedly in new york um no one talked about 9-11 Except for around the anniversary, and they would, there would be like a little bit, but culturally, not a part. Oh, not really? at all. No, no wow. one talked about it. No one was my personal experience. New Orleans, Katrina came up every day. Katrina was talked about every single day, and it was talked about oh before, before the storm, before the storm, before the storm. It was like this before the storm. This street corner looked like this before the storm. This store wow. was here, and then we got here. And it has been since the flood. And it's all been forward-looking. Yeah. So we were in New Orleans, which we love, but it was tied in its history and in it, and in sadness of what was gone. And I feel like since we've come here, everyone is like, look at what progress we've made since. And, like, yeah. that's the kind of community I well, want to be in. I mean, obviously, the, the cities are very different sizes. Yeah. There's more people. Theirs is in a bowl. You know, yeah, know. There, it's It's... There's so many differences that that I can understand why it would be harder to bounce back from something when that oh happens gosh. on such a large scale like it did in New Orleans. Absolutely. But Cedar Rapids has been the um, golden example of how to act after a flood happens. And Theater Cedar Rapids, is, it like looks so much better than it did before the flood, for one. You know, if we just use TCR as an Way example, <laughs> it's it, like it was in need of an update. And a lot of people... Um, look at the flood of 08 as a blessing in disguise yep. because so many things got renovated. Um, our bike path is gorgeous now. They've put so much more work into our into the, the riverfront. Um, yeah. It's amazing. And then they, they've got these new plans all the time uh, as far as our infrastructure goes. I think it's such an exciting place to live. I and do too. I just, I mean, like, when we are just loving it. And and we do have friends that are like, what? and don't you love being a part of like building it? Yes, and you know? so you can and like you can see the impact. Yeah, and that's what I mean. It's like, and I remember that subway ride home, and I was like, no one knows what just happened. But then I go to High V after a show at TCR, and I might run into five people right. who are like, no, oh my you gosh, will run into five. People. Do you know what I mean? And who just I saw avoid a show Hy-Vee now that weekend? <laughs> I know. Get, I, I can't get like, my shopping I do, done. I do instances. Instacart. Since <laughs> I do Instacart children. too. Um, <laughs> that's so in funny. In theory, I can go to High V. Right. I, and in New Orleans, anyway, yeah, it, it's fascinating. But I, I do appreciate that this is such a forward-looking place. From a theater scene, um, in all three places, I think the I think the question that we're asking ourselves is, what does it mean to be a community theater? Because historically, we were founded as part of a break-off of the little theater movement. So you might know this. Like, I mean, 
it started in the early part of the 20th century. Then by the middle of the 20th century, it became small professional theaters, which is what I ran in New Orleans and community theaters by late in the 1940s. Got it. And community theaters. I did theaters, not know any of this. So community theaters historically use volunteers and are focused on kind of amateur mm-hmm. performance. Yeah. And small professional theater was kind of not as big as regional theater, but was tapping into the kind of that talent pool and then actors, you know, and actors equity, all that stuff. Right. Right. The talent pools are in cities like New Orleans. And here, that professional versus amateur talent pool is the same. Really? There's not a lot of differentiator. Like, I mean... I mean, I, I totally... Agree. I, I, that's surprising to me about New Orleans. Cedar Rapids, I know the best of the best are performing in community theater shows all the time. Everywhere. Yeah, and in New Orleans, it's the same thing, except New Orleans, it's almost... It, there's almost no community theater left. Everyone is kind of operating this small professional theater. So oh, everyone's kind of, quote-unquote, paying. So I think... Do you think that's a big city kind of thing? Uh... Yeah, and I think it, it, well, I think it's complicated. I think it depends, I think it's a bigger city thing. I think it depends if there was a regional theater movement. If you look at the cities that had a regional theater try, New Orleans had a regional theater try, like the Guthrie. Um, the Ford Foundation tried to open a regional theater in New Orleans. It failed. Well, oh. but then there's like the legacy of this regional theater stuff. Got it. There isn't that here. So, so it's, not, it's not the size of your city. It, it really is just based on the history of your city. I think it's based on the history of your city. But I, I, I just, anyway, I think I'm like, I don't even know. I've lost my train of thought. But I, the uh, actor pool. I, I'm also always <laughs> losing my train of thought I don't know what and I was pulling saying. people out yeah. with my v- mild to severe ADHD. No, I love it. So Actors. Actors. Actors are yeah. good. Look, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, we've talked about Theater Cedar Rapids enough yeah. as much as I love to talk about sure. it. I want to take a quick break. Okay. And then I want to come back and talk about your journey, how you got here, how it feels to be here, uh, and and all the greatness and pains that come with um, being Katie Holman. Okay. So we'll be back in just two minutes. <laughs> okay. You're listening to One Word Stories, brought to you by... I'm Jason Alberti. And I'm Lindsay Prince. I am a dad of two boys, a comedy writer, and I love medieval literature. I'm the mom of two girls, a comedy writer, and I love TikTok. Hey, we've got a new podcast. And it's called What Do You Want to Talk About? We talk about everything from almond milk lattes to xenophobia. New episodes every Monday. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. What Do You Want to Talk About is produced and distributed by the LAS Podcast Network in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. For more information, you can visit laspodcastnetwork.com. Hey, Lindsay, did I tell you the story about Scarpe the Njalsson when he was in Iceland and he was dying because he was under this log on fire and he pulls out this molar and he whips it into Thurl Thurlson's eye? No, I don't understand most of what you just said. Oh. Oh, Jason, did I tell you that Billie Eilish got bangs? What's a Billie Eilish? L-A-S. Hi, I'm Logan Adam Schultz, digital and content marketing guy. I'm Alex Schulte, creative director dude. And I'm Craig Johnson, maker of graphics. And we're the LAS Marketing Team. And this is Friends with Marketing Benefits, Eastern Iowa's newest podcast filled with laughter, stories, and insight from a rotating cast of marketing professionals. Every Tuesday, join us as we break down modern marketing practices into something that you can use right now to better market your business, nonprofit, band, or even that dresser you've been trying to sell on Facebook Marketplace. There'll be new episodes every Tuesday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Friends with Marketing Benefits is produced and distributed by the LAS Podcast Network in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. For more, visit LASPodcastNetwork.com. If you feel like it. LAS.
And now, back to One Word Stories. Welcome back to One Word Stories. Uh, I'm your host, Alex Schulte, and I'm joined by Katie Hallman, the executive director at Theater Cedar Rapids. Katie. Alex. Katie. I've been loving our interview, or our conversation. I don't even. Me too. This is an interview. I've been loving it so far. But we've been talking a lot about the theater that we are inhabiting right now, yeah. which we both love, of course. But I'm done. Uh, I'm done talking about TCR. Okay. I want to talk about K. What's your middle name? What's Rose? K R H. Okay, that's what I want to talk about now. Katie Rose Holman. Um, you know, one thing though, I, I feel like I would sort of be transparent with with the listener. While the commercials were playing, you and I were, were talking about how the you you asked how Logan and I met, and and I don't know how COVID was for you. I don't know how how your life has been at all building up to this. You seem like a person where everything has just always gone your way and ah! nothing bad has ever happened to you. You seem like that. I'm positive that's not the case. No. Because that's not the case for literally anyone. No. But I was just talking about how I went through the worst COVID depression. And and it wasn't until December of 2020 when Logan reached out and was like, hey, you want to get lunch? And I thought we were just getting lunch. And he asked me to be a part of this project. And having the purpose. Purpose is such a big word for me now. I've, I've discovered that with my therapist. And you asked, you're like, do you have a therapist? I have a list. Yeah. That is so sweet and, and thoughtful and so speaks to the person that you are. Because <laughs> um, we've spoken three times. And you're like, how can I help? <laughs> so, God, you're, you're awesome. But it was, so that purpose, though, of having this network, of being here, being in this space, has... Seeing a therapist, yeah. getting on medication um, for anxiety—it's—it's it's done. It's done wonders for me in these past few months. Yeah. Obviously, I am nowhere near the finish line yet. I don't know if I ever will be. You know, no. I, think, I think we're all. It's not it's, about that, right? It's always we're always running, if that's the metaphor. Um, you know, it's a marathon. So, but but, I want to. Where are you at? Yeah. How are, how are you doing? At the you know, we're, you and I are masked up, masked up right now. We're both wearing masks because COVID left, kind of, but it didn't. And now it's back. I read the best, um, we call it a, a nothing burger headline today that said COVID should not come back if kids get vaccinated and there are no new variants. And it was like, <laughs> what does that mean? The water <laughs> should be wet today. Yeah, I, it was so crazy. Um, it was so silly. That is ridiculous. No, how, I mean, but, COVID, okay. yeah. So how, before we went to the break, I wanted to talk, I, I told you I wanted to talk about your journey, how you, how you became you. Um, um, I guess let's work our way backwards. Okay. So right now as the executive director, mm-hmm. um, with all the pressures that, that land on that with, I don't want to use the word politics, but I'm going to, mm-hmm. with the politics that go into, you know, Heading a, a local theater like this, casting a show and knowing that it's not going to make everybody happy. What are those pressures like? It's got to be so heavy. Mm. I can't imagine. I literally can't. It's, well, I, I love, I, I love this job. I just love it. 
And it is, it's not as heavy as my last job or the one before that, because again, I think I am so much more comfortable again in the questions. And I've been, had the privilege of building a team. When I speak at like, sometimes like if I speak to like a middle school or an elementary school, what do you do? Who are you? What do you do? (laughs) And my answer is I move, I've, I move boulders. I don't do Angie's job. That's going to be very confusing to kids. I, I think. know. I move boulders. <laughs> I move rocks. Do you know rocks? I move We know them. rocks. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, Here's uh, the deal. Like Tonka. My teammate. Is that a thing exactly. anymore? But it's That's but still it, a thing. Is Tonka still a thing? I don't, I don't <laughs> know. It's still a thing. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> One of my teammates has uh, an issue in their way, and they're the ones doing that work. Angie has something in her way. Hannah, mm-hmm. Christina, Olivia. What a team. Or anybody. They, they're amazing. They're they're going down their path, getting stuff done. They call me and say, "Hey, I ran into a roadblock. I move the road roadblock. My job is not to get on the road. My job is to move oh, the move the boulder." Interesting way to look at it. And and that my job is not to do their job. My job is to make sure things keep moving. And so how and and always just having you know, so the pressure. And, and, and we talk as a family because Caven's a theater maker and runs a theater company too. We are not work to live people what is his theater company called I know. mirror box mirror box, mirror box of course that's right i Super forgot cool. that, that he was the head of that yeah man what a two-headed dragon you guys are it's fun and but we also i mean work life all of it is just like there it's just a big circle yeah. and we love it because we love the art and we love the theater and so this isn't just like to clock in clock out it's kind of the work life is all centered so anyway I don't know the pressure I think I'm really well suited for it it brings me a lot of joy um I love being able to talk I you know I have a board I have staff I have community members we have artists we have Mm -hmm. like I have so many constituents and I just love learning about what makes them tick and why they're in it with me and where we want to go yeah um yeah, I, so the pressure, it feels good. I mean, That's it, awesome. It feels good. Sometimes I think the um, mean never feels good if things get mean, but I think um, that's rare. Mean never feels good, no matter what yeah. you're in. And I, I think it's, um, you know, actually one thing that our, that our one of our hosts, Naomi, uh, was talking about the other day on her podcast, The Ruckus, which is launching soon. It's launching on... Well, actually, by the time you've heard this episode, it will have been launched. So, so disregard what I just nice. said. She was talking about setting up boundaries mm, and totally. and making sure that people know how to treat you. Um, and that was really profound to me because it, it was like you have permission to say um, something along the lines. Of, I mean, this is not pertaining to any particular situation here, but like you're not allowed to speak about this person in front of me because this person hurt me so badly one time and yeah. it kind of triggers me whenever we talk about that person so how would people know if you didn't say it so i love you but please don't speak about this person in front of me anymore yeah right? or or um um i love working with you but please don't speak to me in in this it, i don't know it's i went to that restaurant but it gave me food poisoning and i don't want to go back <laughs> i mean it's just like you know, people don't it's, it's okay kind to set up like, boundaries don't and don't and to not set up an expectation don't I feel like something we have to get over as a culture is never say something because you think it's going to make another person say uh, a thing. Oh, wow. Like Never say something because you think it's going to make somebody else say a thing. It's not going to... Those are some shower thoughts right there. It, that's a lot. It's like, you know, if I want to know your favorite color, Alex, I shouldn't start by saying, wow, I really love green. Me too. I, I don't know. It's just like, let's, like just, red, let's give permission to just be more direct 
and kind about what we need. And I agree with boundaries. I think part of the way I deal with pressure, I mean, I'm a really private person and we were talking about how like, um, I tried to Facebook stalk you. I'm not on Facebook. I know. I just, I don't have, and I'm, I don't know. I keep my social media really private and it's, or it's, you know, it's just about my boys. Um, I don't like to live there. I don't, I have close friends. I don't have, I, I, you know, it's just, that's how I'm working. I'm an introvert. So I, I love this. That's surprising. To and me, I can but... do, I can do big stuff and I can yeah. talk, but it really exhausts me. Right. Um, you need to have that space. That's your space. Yeah. So I just, ha- I'm just kind of, I'm, I think I'm just kind of fierce about that. And that's how I feel like I can, again, like be in best service. Yeah. Well, to that point too, moving backwards a little bit on our timeline. Yeah. You had a child during COVID. I know. What a trip, dude. It was such a trip. And what no a one trip. knows that I was pre- It's so funny. They're like, who is this baby? I'm like, I know. <laughs> right. Yeah. No right. one knew I was even pregnant. I mean, it, nobody knows what anybody's up to during pandemics. Because I, I, I think social media has a play in that too, which is the weird thing. Because social media is all about posting the best thing that's going on in your yeah. life, right? <laughs> like, hey, I'm conquering the world. Just got this promotion. I'm working with this person today. I did this cool thing. I got to learn how to ride the Zamboni at... The ice arena. Yeah. Um, but but we didn't hear a lot from anybody about positivity in the last year and a half because it's all been either politics, division, mm-hmm. um, vaccinations. You know, it's, it's all it all seems like that. And I, I, we haven't been hearing those braggy moments. So um, it, it's it's funny when big milestones happen in somebody's life and you're like, oh, shit. Right. You're you got another one now, don't you? Oh, people had no idea. People have no idea. And it was What was that journey like? Oh, it was it was it was wild. It was um well, COVID, I mean, you talk I, what was that journey like? It was terrible. I was really really sick. Um mm. I was really sick with this pregnancy. Um I I I live with depression. I have mm. and I've been, you know, active in it and treatment for it since I was a teenager. And so this is kind of an active part of my life. And so managing how, but postpartum depression is its own deal and kind of like managing that back and forth with my family to try and figure out the right way through was complicated and being really sick, um, made that fall awful. It was just terrible. So fall of 2020 was terrible. Um, luckily things were shut down because I was sick every day, all day, you know, but then, um, was it ever popping in your head? Like, Oh God, I got COVID. Oh, and that fear. Yeah, the fear because of... Because every time you cough during COVID, you've got COVID in your head. It's every time you're sick with anything and the and the stats for pregnant women were, are and were so devastating. Oh, really? I had no idea. Yeah, pregnant women have a much that. higher... Uh, it's it's devastating. Logan's nodding his head. He he just had a baby as well, so I'm sure that him and Marnie have talked about this. We also had a COVID baby. Yeah, you right? did. And, uh, and yeah, it was so stressful and especially um, when we reached the point where... We knew that I could get the vaccine, but then what did the vaccine do to pregnant women? What did the vaccine yeah, do to same. unborn children? And and right. what does that mean? And we right. want to do what's right to be safe, but we we you know that that balance and the constant data and misinformation around everything like it was so challenging and and stressful. Um, and thankfully, everyone on our end was okay as well. Um, but yeah, it, it was just a really challenging and very unique experience. Right. Yeah. It was, yeah. So managing, I think it's like, there's always a lot of choice. There's always a lot of questions having it be our second. There were a lot of things that weren't as big of a deal this time. I know your first name is dash dash. Yep. Dashel. And our second is arrow arrow. Yeah. I love it. Um, 
And they're wonderful. Yeah, it was, uh, so going in, yeah, the vaccine timing, blah, blah, blah. It was just stressful. I got super sick afterward. I was hospitalized for mm-hmm. four days. I got a really bad and scary infection. It was, mm-hmm. um, anyway, there was a lot, there was a lot that was just really hard. How did it weigh on your husband? Uh, we're still working, we're still dealing with it. I think we both have, especially from my illness after the pregnancy, I got something called endometritis, which is only happens about 2% of, um, vaginal births like I had. Mm really uncommon endometritis endometriitis endometriitis so it's not endometri. <laughs> it's not endo people talk about i don't know i only know how to pronounce it's not a endometriosis and it's an endometritis it's an infection of your uterine lining and it's not common it. it makes you super sick i had a temperature of 104 i was on four oh, iv man. antibiotics i was wow. hospitalized for four days it was bad news bears and we're still the i think the trauma of seeing me that ill, um, we're still both processing it. Processing. That's a good, you're right. I was going to say mentally recovering, but I think Yeah, we're just still processing is. it. What does it look like to see the person, see your person? Kevin and I have been together for a decade. Um, and we had kids halfway through that. So we, we had Dash after we've been together for five years. Mm. Married for five years. Together for seven. <laughs> right, which one do you count? I don't know. It doesn't um, really matter. It's a lot. To see your person. A lot to see your person, a lot to see your kid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Super sick. Well, we were talking about like everybody in, in uh, New Orleans talking about post or, or pre. Yeah, pre Katrina. Katrina. And Ida and, now, yeah. And Ida now, yeah. yeah. Oh my God. And then here it's, it's nobody really talks about pre flood, but they talk about post flood. Yeah. Le- le- for you, what was it like pre children, pre yeah. Theater Cedar Rapids, pre COVID? What was your life like before? You got to, you're in the place you are now where, where, again, it seems like everything goes right, but obviously they don't. No, I don't know. I mean, I've always been, I've always worked in the performing arts. So I knew, I thought I wanted to be a singer. I thought I wanted to be, I mean, I was kind of doing the opera thing and I don't really, I mean. Oh, you do opera. Well, I, yeah, I mean, that's how I trained, but I don't really like it. Can we we hear an aria? (laughs) Of course, always. Um, (laughs) Anytime. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's that always funny though, because like voice. even that when somebody, uh, that, but that's the funny thing is that even though I could tell you were joking, it's still it's like oh, okay, she's got chops. Uh, you know, you can always hear it. You can always hear it in just how people talk. Yeah, you totally can. You know? Oh, you. Oh, I like talked to someone recently. I'm like, oh yeah, you're a singer. You're a singer, huh? Uh, yeah. So I'm a singer, and I wanted to be a singer, but I didn't really like opera. Um, I love my friends who do opera. I love Cedar Rapids Opera Theater. All, like, no, uh, don't. you know, don't et cetera, lie. Et you hate everyone that does opera. No, I don't. I just, but it's not my favorite medium, and I. Um, what was it like before? I've always just worked. I've always worked. I mean, this my, is an open question. I've but. just always worked my ass off. I've always worked super hard. That's why today's word is ambition, by the way. <laughs> I've just, I always have worked. I've always worked super hard to the detriment of my own health. And now I'm in a much healthier place with it. But I just, I mean, so New York was great for me because, what? but it was terrible for me because I, if I'm in a place where it's like, oh yeah, 80 hours, like people joke, they're like, I work 80 hours a week. I'm like, you yeah. don't even know what that looks like. Yeah. Right. Bless your heart. You've never even seen it. So, but looking at where you're at now, all that seems kind of like a necessary evil. Yes. So do you regret having done any of that overworking, even though you're, you're not doing that anymore? No, I I don't. I, I don't regret it. I learned from it. I'm glad and I'm grateful for every choice I made along the way that helped me transition through it. I think that the universe kind of presented opportunities where I was able to keep moving so that. 
I wouldn't make those choices now and I wouldn't let my team make those choices. That's what I was going to Necessarily. Ask. You know what I, I mean? I was going to ask is, is like now that you've made those choices and they've gotten you to the place that you want to be at, you've got a family, you've got uh, this amazing job, you're yeah. in, in Cedar Rapids, you know, one of, literally one of the best cities in the world. Yeah. Um, I know some people will probably laugh at that, but no, it's it a really, wonderful, it's it, a wonderful city. It really is. Um, would you recommend that to somebody else to, to, to do the 80 hour weeks to go and, and work themselves to death? Yeah. Um, to get to, you, you know, even though it's worked for you, even though you don't regret it, would you then recommend it to somebody who wants to do what you're doing? I think it, well, I had, you know, I had my, a friend and colleague, um, who I worked with a MCP in New York contact me and we were talking about grad school and he's like, what do you think? And he took over my position after I left, he moved into it. And he's like, do you think, what do you think about NYU? And I said, well, it depends on what you want to do. And for me, it made a lot of sense to go to NYU um, at 23 and be out at 25 because it catapulted opportunities for me. It was a, it was a door opener. It was a hoop I jumped through. And then I'm, and now I'm always able to say I went to NYU, but I don't know that going to NYU is as valuable today at 35 as it was for me at 25. It helped me like get bigger jobs and operate at a higher level then, but I don't know. So if, if, so if someone, if someone's 22 and they're like, I think I want to, it's like, well, how fast do you want to move? Because there, I do have some peers. I, I would, I'm on the younger side of executive directors mm-hmm. of theater companies in the country. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, community absolutely. or regional, not to mention one of the f- few women. Right. This oh is not, gosh. this is a male dominated artist directors and executive director. So I'm one of the youngest and I'm a woman. So if that's your objective and you want to then, yeah, go get that experience. Cause it's an, it is invaluable. And I, there are things that I know how to do that I don't, do here like I mean I'm a production manager like I'm a production person I know a lot about production that's where I mean I'm a backstage person but I don't that's not my lane here my team doesn't need me I can be their thought partner I can talk the language but like do you do you find you're more passionate about that than than opera much more passionate about theater yeah much more passionate about theater much more passionate about yeah and behind the scenes, I mean, my favorite spot to watch a show is from the wings, you know? Really? And I, yeah. And I just, I have to, I've always had to, I like being involved in the minutia of it. If Caven's doing a reading of a play, I need to read the stage directions. I like, you know, I've, oh, I, I like being on the back end of stuff. Do you have a favorite play? Mm. Well, I think one of the most impactful plays that I saw, I was working at the Guthrie. I worked at the Guthrie twice. So when I was, at Luther, I got an internship, excuse me, at the Guthrie. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> podcast world. <laughs> so Sorry, we're fancy. humans. Talking a lot. Um, so I went to uh, Luther College. I think we talked about it. I went to Luther. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I have it written down that you went to Drake. This, so. is, now, this is now a Luther College. <laughs> uh, yeah, after- Decorah, man. One of the most beautiful cities in, oh my God, Decorah. I know. Northern it's Iowa is nuts. Unbelievable. Yeah, Northern Iowa is out of control. It, it is, dude. It's have, so Have you been gorgeous. kayaking in Decorah? Yes, it's too much. It's it, too much. It's it so beautiful. It is stupid how gorgeous it is it's a real problem yeah so i need to do something about it uh, please someone call someone (laughs) uh i moved to minneapolis after my junior year uh that summer i got an internship at the guthrie and then after uh i graduated i moved back to minneapolis and had four jobs 
Oh my gosh. Mm. I mean, so like the hustles, like crazy. I, I was uh, working at the Guthrie. Overlapping each other? Yeah. All at the same time, four jobs? Yeah. So this was 2008. <laughs> so this was the first recession. Holy this shit, is this is man. the millennial. I'm an elder millennial. So we've had two recessions. An elder millennial. Plus I, we've had I, I, a war for I, most of our lives. Yeah. I think of myself as that as well now. You yeah. Know? I'm I, elder I millennial. I don't know what the cutoff is. I think elder millennials are 80 to 80, or to, or, I don't know, 80, I'm 85. But anyway, so, so that's, I'm. That's. Yeah. It's at least that. At least that. Sorry, please continue. No, I moved to Minneapolis because I got an apprenticeship, a uh, great program with Minnesota Public Radio. And I was working in rock radio. I was working in, uh, and I was a music director, college radio and all that. Anyway, the apprenticeship program got cut. One of the first things that got cut with the recession in 2008. Wow. Yeah. I was still moving. So I picked up my box office job back at the Guthrie. I had been interning in development, wasn't going back to intern, but worked in the box office, interned at Minnesota Public Radio at The Current, worked for a company called Art Space Projects, um, and then I was a record promoter for Vitriol. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And so I was, <laughs> that's so awesome. You know, with radio stations. So I was on the flip side. I promoted some cool records. Awesome. records. We'll talk about it. It was fun. You promise? Phoenix. Oh, yeah. You promoted Phoenix? Yeah. Their first wow. one, that was very cool. Oh, I, I love that album. I know. I did some really cool ones. That's fucking awesome. I used to live just a different life. I never know how much to curse I on my own I used to show. go to so many concerts. It was just like a different world. I wasn't. I didn't ever feel cool enough for it, honestly. I couldn't keep oh, track of the charting. Oh, isn't that ridiculous? Because you were. You, you were like the epitome of cool. You were the one that was producing, or not producing, but... but Promoting these records for yeah. these giant labels. I know. What do you mean? That, that's what people I was going to South want. by Southwest. I was going like. That's what people want to be. I know, but it's like. And that speaks volumes, I think, to just like human nature. Is that like, you can yeah. be in in the dream job and still feel like an imposter. Yeah, and there's not enough money in that. So that I go back to like, I mean, people are so underpaid in this country. <laughs> you know, so I had four you jobs because I had to. You don't say. I had to. Yeah. Yeah, that's ridiculous. That someone with a which that's a successful gig. That's that's a great job to get, but you had to have three other jobs to, to in order to make it to work. Yeah, it was. It's not fair. It was a little. It was a little wild, and so grad school was a the option there. And um, but oh, play. So while I was at the Guthrie, there was I a guess. Yeah, Tony. If you have I don't know. One. I don't know. I I think an impactful. Uh, I'll just go to an impactful playwright experience for me was at the Guthrie. They did uh, Tony Kushner festival they did this summer of tony kushner so he, they did t- carolina change and they um and then they did this play in development called the intelligent homosexuals guide to <laughs> love something something in the scriptures the key to the scriptures i can't remember it's a super long title i i saw it like three times it was just very it was very impactful for me i am not a theater person Fine. i don't know i mean i love theater yeah. i don't know plays Ever. People bring up plays to me all the time. Like, oh, what do you think? I don't know. I know. So when you said that, I'm like, oh, yeah, I loved Ned's Declassified School Survival Guide on Nickelodeon back in <laughs> 2009 or whatever it totally. was. Um, um, what about that experience that was so changing for you? I think it was just it, the physical fa- space of the Guthrie was, if I look back, I mean, that was probably the root of me knowing I wanted to be in theater administration. Mm. Being, oh, I love that. Like being that in moment. the being in the inner workings of that yeah. amazing space. And you're like, this is it. This, this is, is what a I new do. Guthrie. So it's it, it was just there are three theaters there. I think just being on the back end, but again, like how, getting to be in the audience. I think it was just the whole immersive experience and just seeing the impact it had in that community. Um, and then you know Tony Kushner, I 
I can't say like I don't sit around and read plays either. I read. I'm a voracious reader, but I don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I want to move back even further. Then yeah. In the timeline. Keep going. What's it like when you're in high school and you want to be an opera singer, or you want to be the one that's on stage? What's that kid like? Yeah. I mean, that's where like perfectionism lives. Like if I think about perfectionist Katie, it's high school. And I actually just got an award from my high school this past week, which just felt very wild. It was. That's amazing. Yeah. I got this award. At Lisbon? At Lisbon. This fine arts award from the Alumni Association. It was very nice because I was super, um, you know, I was super successful in high school. You know, I was a eight-time All-Stater, like All-State speech and like all these different things. Four years. Yeah, I, I know. It was just like nutty. It, it was it was really I did really well. Um, I sang really well. I was also like deep in my disordered eating. I was like not happy in my home life. Like oh. there was all kinds of stuff that was like really hard. Can I ask what that looked like? The the eating disorder? Because man, if, yeah, I mean, I, I binge eat and then I starve myself because I was because I've been you know I'll punish myself for, for oh, yeah. eating too much. Um, it and lives then I'll be with angry forever. because I'm hungry. It's yeah. Um, and then I'm angry because I ate too much, so I'm just always angry, <laughs> you know? That's really hard. Um, it's, it is, yeah, but, like, I guess I'm just kind of curious. I don't have a terrible eating disorder, but I definitely binge eat when I'm feeling down. Yeah. It was it was funny because uh, everything was, everything, th- side note, everything's been going great for a while. And then, um, and I, like, I was running every day. I was dieting. I lost eight pounds. And then, um my best friend got broken up with by his girlfriend and they were, this is a big part. My friend group exploded. Oh, yeah. And that was so, and I just feel the weight of other people's emotions so heavily, which is a superpower, but it's also, it's my kryptonite. Mm. Cause I, I love being empathetic and I love feeling for others and I love, you know, connecting with others. That's my favorite thing in the world. But sometimes when it's sad connecting, I carry that with me and that's something I need to get better at. But then, since they so broke hard. up, it's so weird. Since they broke up, I gained that eight pounds back. Um, I've been stressing out more here mm-hmm. at, at work and in the podcast network. It's just, it's weird. Food's weird, man. I hate food. I love food. but Food's weird. I told my I, therapist yesterday, I, sh- I want to get a tattoo. Sorry to interrupt you. No, <laughs> just like the last thought. She thought this was dumb. Not dumb, but she's like, don't do that. I want to get a tattoo on my right arm where I grab the fridge that says, are you really hungry? Or are you just bored? Are you hungry? Are you bored? Or are you fulfilling a different need? Food, alcohol, these things, like... Yes. They, you know, exactly. they're complicated relationships. I think, and, I, and I've and i appreciated the evolution since I was in high school, since you were in high school. We have so many more tools to talk about disordered eating or eating disorders. Also, I went through several sexual assaults early in that time, and mm. so... I see it all connected for sure. It was kind of a, it's a protection mechanism. It's a coping mechanism, coping. right? Not eating or yeah, eating or yeah, yeah. Um, bulimia probably lived with me the longest, but anorexia for sure. Like that tendency that, yeah. Um, wow. And it's, yeah, it, but it's all about control. It's, it's all about control because you feel out of control. My dad, you know, my oh dad's my God, get out of my head. Yeah. It's just, it's, you're just trying to like, that's exactly what I said to my therapist yesterday. It was like, I have been so out of control. Everything has been out of my control, and that's why I've been freaking out. And yeah, so then you're going to stop eating. S- stop eating or overeating, staying up till 5 in the morning, trying to sleep in late so I don't just start the day and 
start reading emails or, or you know. You're self-sabotaging in that way and like, yeah. Pushing it off. Yeah. You know, the, the right now me is pushing it off so later me can just fuck off, you know, and, and deal yeah. with it. Like, I don't care about later me. Oh, that's. Night Alex is mean to morning Alex. That's hard. You know? Uh-huh. Um, and it's a hard thing to get to, to handle, you know, it's just difficult, so. It's really hard. Um, um. But that comes back to the boundaries thing, too. I mean, I think about. Yes. I'm, I'm pretty, I'm, I'm more boundaried all the time. And it, and it's just like. I, again, I really like people and I enjoy, but I enjoy my close friendships and I need to be places where I feel emotionally safe because my inner critic is very loud and it's not going to serve me to just like, it might make the general public happy for me to show up somewhere yep. or something and just like yeah. pal around and, and like rub elbows around. Right. But like the, I have to be really judicious about that because if I'm not in a healthy headspace and the inner critic result of that could be a week's worth of analyzing. What did I say? And did I do oh, this right? Man. And did I do X, Y, Z? You know what I mean? And then, and it's all, so I think I'm in a better place with it now and I'm much more able to go in and out, but at different times it's been harder. Wow. That's really profound though. And I hope somebody, I hope somebody takes that home with them. I know I will. It's of, just hard. Yeah. Of um, weighing out how much, mental capacity is this going to um um need yeah in order for me to do it if i if i go to this event am i gonna have to think about it all week long because i was in a bad mental space that day right or whatever and we have to figure out and i and i shared with the staff recently i was like i live with depression and i show up every day right i show up for my stuff i don't i don't slack off i i mean i dig in i also dig into dealing with my depression I dig in, I face it because I've got this beautiful business to run Mm -hmm. and support. I've got an amazing family. I've got two little Mm -hmm. boys. I've got stuff to do. And so I also think that's a tricky coin that we're in because I love that mental health is getting so much more conversation, but I also see some opting out going on. And something that I say is like, we all have our shit. It just depends how much you roll around in it. (laughs) And like, and listen, I don't know. I mean, I go to therapy. I don't have the answers. I'm just saying like, if you're having a, I don't, I also don't have a ton of patience. I don't have a lot of patience for myself. Mm. <laughs> so sometimes I'm a little like, we can't wallow, man. We got to like. I feel that. I feel that. And I feel it. Sometimes I need to, too. We got to, but let's get the tools. That's why I'm like, I got a list of therapists. Like, let's do the work. Let's figure this out. Right. Because sometimes things are really hard. Everything takes work. Even uh, being happy. Yeah. You know, it's, it's wild. Yeah, totally. Wow. Um, I'm. I'm satisfied. Oh, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for being vulnerable with me and being yeah. open. Um, um, it's not an easy thing to do. And I, I hope someone hearing your story will feel inspired um, or they'll feel some sort of ambition yeah. to, to keep putting in that work. Um, but to know that it is okay to set boundaries. It, it Don't overwork yourself. It's... Yeah. Going to work as long as you put in the work. But it's a marathon. It is a marathon. It is a marathon. Yeah. Well, that's going to do it for One Word Stories. Katie Hallman, where can we find you? How, like, I don't... Usually it's like, so what do you got going on next? What can we promote? I'll just but visit. Just... Well, visit Theater CR. I got to plug. I mean, we just put single tickets on sale for the year, and that's that's Wild. That's, that's what You're I want back. you to see. We're back. So come to come to TCR. That's where you'll find me. Theatercr.org. You got it. 
is the website. You can get all of that. They are on the corner of First Avenue and Third Street. Um, right across the street from the... Double Tree. The, 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 double Tree. The Powerhouse. What is it called now? <laughs> Alliant Powerhouse. Alliant Powerhouse. <laughs> um, I'm so glad I don't have to say U.S. Cellular Center anymore. It gets That's a word that gets caught in my mouth. Oh, cellular yeah. Cellular Center. A you, lot of consonants. A lot of, yeah. And not that I hate no, U.S. Cellular, I but I just don't like saying it. Yeah. U.S. Cellular Center. Powerhouse. <laughs> anyway, c- come visit Theater Cedar Rapids. Come say hi to Katie Holman. She's the executive director here. And uh, just in case you don't know, she went to Luther College. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm Alex Schulte. This is One Word Stories, the show where we take one word and let it inspire the stories we tell, the stories that made us. Uh, this is produced and distributed by the LAS Podcast Network right here in Theater Cedar Rapids, in the city of Cedar Rapids, Iowa. We're up here on the fourth floor in the Dave Schmolt Creative Suite. Rest in peace to Dave Schmolt. What an amazing man he was. Um, Also, if you'd like to support our beautiful network uh, and other local creators like me, please consider subscribing to LAS Plus for just $10 a month. You can get bonus episodes, ad-free content, um, exclusive content, and access to merch, access to tickets for LAS Live before they go on sale, uh, and also you will know that you are supporting local like no other. That's going to do it for today. Katie, thank you so much. I seriously can't thank you enough. Oh, thanks, Alex. This was a blast. Thank you so much. You're incredible. I'm so glad that I've gotten to know you better today, and I hope that um, we remain friends for for years to come. I would love that. So new episodes every every Wednesday. Right, Logan? (laughs) Every Wednesday. Every one word Wednesday right here on the LAS Podcast Network. I'll talk to you next week. New episodes every Wednesday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you can find your podcasts. You can support the LAS Podcast Network at patreon.com slash LAS Podcast Network. LAS. Mango Mustache Media.